Hi, welcome to episode 540 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I think the flea market is a great place to find good bargains and love. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way up to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four 540 from November 2006. Some words can never be taken back by J. Michael Stravinsky and Mike McCone. Previously in the Fantastic Four, a Superhuman Registration Act has been passed which requires all people possessing paranormal abilities to register with the government. Those who do not register are considered criminals. Some humans, such as Iron Man, see this as a natural evolution of the role of superhumans in society and a reasonable request. Others see the act as an assault on their civil liberties. After being called upon to hunt down heroes in defiance of the Registration Act, Captain America goes underground and forms a resistance movement. Even though their identities are already public, each member of the Fantastic Four has had a different reaction to the passing of the Registration Act. Mr. Fantastic is one of the leaders of the pro-registration movement and is spearheading the construction of a secret facility known only as 42 to house heroes who refuse to register. The Invisible Woman is ambivalent about the act, unsure of what is right and who she stands with. The Human Torch was seriously injured in one of the first pro-registration protests and has only just come out of the coma. And The Thing, claiming a position of neutrality, has decided to leave the country, creating the first real schism in the team. The first schism in the team? There's been a lot of schisms. Lots of schisms. This is not the first schism. I seem to remember several other schisms. So that was a description of what had gone on previously, as it appears on the first, first page of the issue. And we begin our story at the Baxter building. Reed is hard at work on a new device, a containment field, to aid in holding unregistered superheroes. As part of his project, he's using energy from the negative zone. Reed still hasn't learned his lesson. So far, nothing good has ever come from using the negative zone in any way. He's got some unknown, at least to me, costumed super female in this device, and he's got a bunch of armored guards, guards standing around watching. Reed is trying not to think of the woman trapped inside, but to focus on the numbers. Only the numbers, he tells himself. You know, I tell myself the same thing when I'm selling fake iPhones at the flea market. Don't think about the people. Just focus on the numbers. The numbers of the money I make. The people are irrelevant. By the time they get home and realize they've purchased a plastic iPhone case full of paper clips and Bazooka Joe comics, I'll be gone. There's this electric feedback as bolts of energy shoot around the room, and the woman inside the containment field breaks free. Reed tells the guards to leave Wild Streak to him. That must be her name. She runs off. Reed and the guards try to chase after her, but she seems to disappear very quickly. And later, as Reed is standing nearby, a window crashes. And he looks down, and we see Wildstreak turning visible. And Sue appears. Turns out she helped Wildstreak Wild escape. Reed says they have to talk. I wonder if Sue realizes that if Reed get, isn't getting any sex lately, it's just going to make him even angrier, edgier, and more agitated. She says, uh, 
She saw a chance to help that girl, and she took it. Reed says, A chance to break the law, you mean. She says that a law that requires them to send people they fought beside before, sending them off to a hellhole in the negative zone, is wrong. What? I wonder at what point did the FF ever fight alongside Wildstreak? He says that if she thinks the law is wrong, change it. But until then, they have to obey. Change it? What kind of suggestion is that? It's not like she's a politician. Is that how the Democrats won back control over the House of Representatives in 2006? People were just upset over the Superhero Registration Act? Of course, Sue doesn't accept the uh, I'm just following orders excuse, comparing, uh, comparing it to the Germans following Nazi orders to round up Jews, gypsies, and other assorted troublemakers during World War II. Reed doesn't reply. He just thinks to himself, and he clinches a fist. He doesn't have a good response, so he just ends up saying, We are not talking about this anymore. We are done. You've got that right, she replies. And then, of course, they proceed to talk about it for the rest of the issue. So they're not done, and Sue goes on to say that of all the enemies they've faced, it's a shame that nobody could break them apart except for this. Actually, I seem to remember them breaking up several times. Like the time Reed shot Franklin with that ray gun and turned him into a drooling vegetable. That was probably worse. Reed says, Damn it, listen to me. I'm doing this because I'm trying to protect you. Sue's like, Protect me? As she creates a force field column that surrounds her and rips a hole in the floor and the ceiling at the same time. Which seems like an awfully unnecessary way to prove how strong she is. Whenever I want to show people how strong I am, I crush an aluminum can. With. My. Foot. Do I look like I need protecting, Reed? No, but it does look like the roof and the ceiling needs protecting. She goes on to give a long speech, and when you're doing a podcast, the worst thing is when a character gives a long speech. Blah, 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 she says, blah, blah, blah. The gist of what she says is that protecting her is just an excuse and that he's being a pussy for not standing up to the stupid anti-registration law. She says their rights and freedoms are worth dying for, if necessary. She says that in the past, she would have walked through hell itself for him. And I think she has a few times. He asks her why she can't stay with him now, and she replies, Because you're not Reed. Because you're not the man I married, the man I love. I loved him because he, was, because he always did what was right. Does that include saving Galactus? And he was never... Never afraid of anything! Except losing his lady to the Submariner. Reed comes up with just the right thing to say. I think you should leave now. Okay, maybe that's not exactly the right thing. But then Sue rises up on her force field, out the building, and this boring scene is over. Reed is left looking at the holes that she made through the top few floors of the building, and he says to himself, Repair cost estimate, $725,000. Uh, maybe he's not himself. Maybe he's been replaced by the Mad Thinker. That sounds like something the Mad Thinker would say. So, Reed strolls off through the house, looking sad and dejected. Later that evening, Ben comes home looking for Reed, and he finds all that damage, the physical damage, not the psychological damage. And then he finds Reed, who doesn't want to talk about the fight he had with Sue. Ben announces that he's leaving the country for good and leaving the FF too. 
reiterating what he said last issue. He doesn't like the Registration Act, but he won't fight his country. He says he's thinking about going to France. He always thought he'd look fetching in a beret. Ben expects Reed to try to talk him into staying, but Reed, still being a dick, even to his best friend, is like, if you want to go, go. After leaving the room, Ben realizes that Sue must have left Reed at the end of their argument. I wonder if this is going to change Ben's mind. Now, he has Reed all to himself. Think of all the fun times they can have together. Just like when they were quote unquote college roommates. But nope, Ben doesn't change his mind. He leaves. So the other bad guys, Iron Man and Peter Parker arrive and they head into Reed's lab. And he seems to think they've come to see the holding facility he's built, which Peter doesn't know anything about no holding facility. Reed tells him that Ben has taken a leave of absence and uh, he's not there. So Reed shows off his new device, and Peter doesn't seem pleased. You're keeping these people in the negative zone? How does Peter Parker even know what the negative zone is? I don't recall him ever going there. Iron Man tells Pete that's the only place they have to hold them, and by them, I think he means the good guys. Reed opens the door, and then he closes it, and he says, weirdly, he says, closing the door because I know how to do that too. What? So Iron Man and Peter, not sure why Peter isn't wearing his Spider-Man outfit, they head into the negative zone chamber for a minute while Reed looks at the hole in the ceiling and he gets hit by a little rain. Iron Man and Peter come out and Iron Man is ready to go, but Peter wants a couple of minutes to talk to Reed alone. Once alone, Peter asks, why? So Iron Man is eavesdropping on them with a special Iron Man enhanced hearing apparatus. He apparently has that in his helmet. And Reed tells the story of his Uncle Ted, who had to testify before the House Un-American Activities Committee during the com communist witch hunts of the 1950s. Reed's uncle told them to go to hell, and as a result, he was held in contempt in jail for six months. His career was over, he lost his life savings, and he died young. Peter says... His uncle sounds very brave, but Reed says his uncle was wrong. He was wrong to go against the law. The law is the law. Straczynski is trying very hard to explain Reed's pro-registration uh, uh, side on the Civil War, and having an uncle who was in a similar situation and was punished harshly for sticking his neck out, it's a good idea, a good motivating factor for Reed. The only problem with that is that Reed has been gung-ho for the Registration Act even before it became a law. So Peter and Iron Man leave Reed, who sits there alone and sings to himself, You too can be a big hero, once you've learned to count backwards to zero. In German and English, I know how to count down. I'm learning Chinese, said Warner Von Braun. Time to Google search and see what this song is. It's called Warner Von Braun from 1965 by Tom Lehrer, a mathematician, pianist, and singer-songwriter who did parody songs. Uh, normally I don't think Reed is the kind of guy who listens to parody songs, but being a mathematician, maybe this, temp maybe this Tom Lehrer guy was a friend of Reed's. Who knows? Hi, welcome to episode 540, part 2 of the Fantastic Forecast. 
today, it's Civil War number 5 from November 2006. It's Civil War Part 5 by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven. So we start with the Human Torch and the Invisible Woman working together getting chased by some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And back outside Stark Tower, Nighthawk and Stature have come to join the pro-registration forces. But they seem to be waiting and waiting for Iron Man to arrive. But he's running late. And really, why would he bust his ass to get there? It's only Stature and Nighthawk anyway. And we see upstairs, Iron Man is busy with Peter Parker, who is now in his Spider-Man outfit. And Spidey is upset, both about the death of Goliath and the, new and the Negative Zone prison he just saw. And he wants to quit the Avengers. Iron Man tries to reason with Spider-Man, saying that they can't lock up their anti-registration heroes with normal prisoners. Spider-Man tells them to get out of his way, and he punches him through a wall. What about Mary Jane? Tony asks. Spider-Man replies that he has Aunt May and Mary Jane as far away as possible. Let me guess. They're in Queens? The two of them fight for a couple of pages, and a window gets blown out, and Spider-Man escapes. Maria Hill from S.H.I.E.L.D. calls up Iron Man and tells him that she heard that Spider-Man just went rogue. No shit. Iron Man was there. I mean, of course Spider-Man just went rogue. While in a room with Iron Man. So why is Maria Hill telling Iron Man that Spider-Man just went rogue? Shouldn't Iron Man be the one who's telling Maria that Spider-Man went rogue? I mean, he was there. So S.H.I.E.L.D. calls out their new team of Thunderbolts a hodgepodge of former villains, including Mass Murderer, Bullseye, and Spider-Man villains Venom and Jack-O-Lantern. I feel like Mark Millar isn't even trying to make the Team Iron Man look any good at all. In fact, he's throwing in these terrible, terrible bad guys, evil people, on Team Iron Man. They find Spider-Man running through the sewers when the new Thunderbolts arrive. So very quickly, they get the best of Spider-Man, and, uh... They would kind of prefer to kill him if they could, but S.H.I.E.L.D. chimes in and tells them to cuff Spider-Man, not kill him. But then someone comes in, shoots Jack-O-Lantern in the head, and some other cat in the head. Someone recognizes this guy and calls him the Skull Face Guy, which can either be the Red Skull or Ghost Rider or the Punisher. I'm betting on Punisher. And I'm going to take a wild guess. Punisher did not register. Meanwhile, on 32nd Street... Nick Fury has given uh, Johnny and Sue new identities. I'm not sure why we never see Nick Fury. What's he up to? But they've got dark hair, and they're posing as Mr. and Mrs. Ryan Landau, a married couple, which they find a little creepy. But they head down an alley, they knock on a door, and the door swings open, and it's the secret headquarters of Captain America and the Secret Avengers. They're discussing stealing the plans for Reed's Negative Zone prison, when the door swings open again, and this time the Punisher is standing there holding a very messed up Spider-Man. Give me a medic, now, he orders. The heroes snap into action, and they take Spider-Man into the infirmary. People are not too happy to see the Punisher there, but he reveals that he's been working behind the scenes trying to help. Plus, he has a plan to get into the Baxter building and get the plans for the Negative Zone prison. Cap has to think about this, and in a dark corner, some girl is secretly texting. I assume back to Tony Stark. In Hell's Kitchen, Reed and the She-Hulk are there as Daredevil is being led off into a prison truck. 
And Reed is still beating himself up over the fact uh, that Goliath died and he's responsible and Sue is leaving him. He doesn't seem all that concerned to see his old pal Daredevil being handcuffed and led away like a common criminal and then taken to the Baxter building and led into the Negative Zone prison by Tony Stark who offers Daredevil his own team if he joins up with the pro-registration forces. Speaking of Daredevil, instead of putting his red suit on and fighting in the Civil War, maybe he should have put his lawyer suit on and helped file a suit against that stupid law. This is one situation where I think Matt Murdock would be a lot more useful. Daredevil isn't saying much, and a guard discovers a silver dollar under his tongue. Tony takes the silver dollar, and Matt says, Guess that's 31 pieces of silver you've got now, huh? Sleep well, Judas. Huh? He's led off by the guards, and that is the end of the issue. And today, it's a fairly bland couple of issues. This issue of Civil War mostly focused on Spider-Man turning from Team Iron Man to Team Captain America. So this is a, a very non-canon issue. This issue was pretty much entirely wiped out by Mephisto. Since Spider-Man never re revealed his identity, I assume he was on Team Captain America the entire time, so he would not have had that confrontation with Iron Man, and maybe not fought the Thunderbolts alone, and not got found by Punisher, and without meeting the Punisher, Punisher might not have taken him to the Captain America secret base, etc, etc, etc. So Mephisto changed the entire story. What happened, we don't know. So if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott, at podcastff. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. I have to block out thoughts of you so I don't lose my head. They crawl in like a cockroach, leaving babies in my bed. Dropping little reels of tape to remind me that I'm alone. Playing movies in my head that make a porno feel like home. There's a burning in my pride and a nervous bleeding in my brain. An ounce of peace is all I want for you. Will you never call again? And will you never say that you love me just to put it in my face? And will you never try to reach me? It is I that want to save me today.